Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast with the goal to hold the scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here... Logan Batisti. And we just are sitting here stuffed after stuffing our faces. With tacos? With tacos. Lots of tacos. The switch. Two nights in a row. <laughs> how how hot was the, the Serrano sauce and... Serrano sauce is great. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. And with the Larry the Cable Guy hot sauce was great. But maybe it's just because I don't like a spicy guacamole sauce. But whatever that medium one is, I, I, There's just too I'll much. eat it, but I don't like it. Is it a not like or is it a spiciness flavor? It, it's a not like. Oh. It's, well, Spiciness is good, but like the avocado and being spicy, I really... Just don't jive together. doesn't jive for me. I mean, what do you think of it? Oh, that was pretty good. It was hot. I'm a baby, so it was hot. I didn't put jalapenos on it this time. When you when you put your hot sauce and stuff, I skipped the jalapenos. I was like, I'm not doing jalapenos on top of this because I will be screaming. I had jalapenos in my taco. Oh, <laughs> so hot! I beat you. <laughs> you still. did beat me. <clears throat> you snuck those in. I didn't see those. I was trying to. I was trying to be a man. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh-huh. We'll make it up with blazing wings sometime. How about that? <laughs> ooh, ooh, <laughs> oh! My Caribbean jerk are hot enough for me. <laughs> so, how have things been? Things have been going pretty good. I mean, life's been changing quite a bit. I mean, things at church are changing as our pastor just resigned a couple weeks Absolutely. back, mm-hmm. and this Sunday, from when we're recording, is going to be his last Sunday. And then you get to preach for a whole month. Oh boy, yeehaw! On Ephesians, yeah, Ephesians, Ephesians. I am uh, nervous that I can get through Ephesians chapter one in four weeks. I think you can do it. You got this. I'm nervous. I'm trying to do a lot in one sermon, so that's that's making me nervous. Just kind of let it flow, and you know, just the thing is like. Remember, it's not like a pulpit you get behind and you're trying to teach a class, but you're not exactly just trying to be a public speaker getting calling people to action either. It's kind of like a nice balance between the two. The problem is eventually they want to leave. I mean, that is true. I mean, because I wouldn't feel so bad if we could just sit there for... You know, a few hours. I wouldn't feel so crunched. Yeah, I gotta go watch that playoff football of where the Packers didn't make it this year. They got their tickets. Oh, A.A. Ron already bought his tickets. <laughs> I'm sure. Ah, we stunk this year. We didn't even get it to the... We only had one Pro Bowl player. One Pro Bowl player. That's pretty sad. Uh, yep. Javier Alexander. But that guy is a beast. I haven't even been watching the NFL Beast. this year, so I mean, I kept track of fantasy a little bit, but did you win? No. Oh. <laughs> was it bad? Yeah, it, uh, it wasn't terrible. You had Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, didn't you? <laughs> Not until the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody was picking him up, and I saw he's getting off suspension, and he's been my—he was my lucky stable for the first couple of years he played, so. Figured I'd give him a chance to bring him back because uh, Derek Carr was the one before him, and we all know how his year went. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> better, so, better than Deshaun Watson's, though. No. I don't think so. I have to look at the statistics. I felt like it was better. The first game was rough for Deshaun Watson, but I think he at least did average, while Derek Carr, no. Yeah, he just didn't know. <laughs> Towards the end of the year when Deshaun Watson started playing, Deshaun Watson was the better pick. Yeah. I haven't. He paid. didn't even play the last three weeks. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen they had benched him. Oh, no, he walked. Oh, he walked off. Oh. Yeah, he he left the team oh. for, or said he didn't want to play and distract people from what was going on. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it wasn't just getting benched. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. Player just, this has been an interesting, interesting football year, but we are excited because we're going to have wings, Super Bowl, we have a big party. And the wonderful thing about parties is there's always serving at parties. There's always serving? Serving at parties. Oh, I see. what You see the good transition I did there? Yeah, I was just trying to fix my mic. You're doing some twirly birds over there. It got loose because I hit it off, so... But so Super Bowl and serving and Super Bowls. Serving is a big thing. Are you trying to get like the alliteration of serving a ton of food? We're good Baptists. That goes well. Yeah. Good Baptists who like to watch football, I suppose. Yeah, there's nothing good about football. I can't even say anything good anymore. Sorry. Nah, it's hard. It's hard to say. Yeah, there's there's nothing good. Not sports or anything in general. This week, this week we are in... Well, we're staying in Don Whitney's book, but we're in the chapter on serving. <laughs> if you didn't know, if you didn't know, if you didn't catch the the hints there, right? His opening quote from R. Kent Hughes: "Ministering hearts are disciplined to labor, for they regularly move beyond their comfort zones. They put themselves in vulnerable spots. They make commitments which cost. They get tired for Christ's sake." They pay the price. They encounter rough seas, but their sails billow full of God's spirit. You know, it's the first time I've actually read that. So are you inferring from that quote, are you inferring that serving is difficult? I'm inferring that being a disciple of God is not all roses and unicorns and rainbows. So you're saying like, if I want to go serve that I shouldn't expect the red carpet and flowers and, you know, bouquets thrown at me and just everyone going so easy? If you're going to serve, you should expect to get tomatoes thrown at you. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> no, I mean you personally. Yeah. Cool. Oh, no, me, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that hits me. No, I, I welcome it. I welcome the tomatoes. That's why he's got a red shirt on, guys. It's better than my brown pants. Anyway. <laughs> I'm glad you knew where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> serving serving is, uh, why is this a discipline? You know? That was kind of the question as I was looking at it. Is why is serving a discipline? Well, a good quote that... Donald Whitney takes from Diedrich Bonho- Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. I don't know why I was going to try to say that wrong. 
Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. Mm-hmm. He famously declares, Bonhoeffer does, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And, I mean, both of us, if we look at one of our favorite chapters in Scripture, one that highly convicts both of us, mm-hmm. or at least we try to set as a passage that does that, is yeah. Luke 14. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, throughout both Luke and Matthew, you get a couple of times where any man who chases his life mm-hmm. will lose it, but anybody who loses his life for me will gain it. Mm-hmm. That's a really heavy paraphrase for y'all if you didn't know. Oh, yeah. But it's it's a good summary. It's a very good summary. Yeah. But essentially, like, if we're called to do that, then serving is a piece that comes into that puzzle mm-hmm. of where we're called to be selfless. We're called to serve others. Mm-hmm. I mean, another one we just covered in a Bible study with Remington and them is we talked about how... Jesus washed his disciples' feet in mm-hmm. John chapter 13. I'm sure it's covered here in this chapter somewhere too. Yeah. But, but what does he do? He's the master. He says, you all call me Lord and master, mm-hmm. but here I am doing the dirtiest job that even some Jews won't let a Jewish slave do to them mm-hmm. and have to have a Gentile do it, but I'm doing it here for you. And this is the example I want to set for you. Right before he tells them that, hey, you all need to love one another. And the world's going to know that you're my disciples by how well you love one another. Based on the example that I've just set for you. Mm -hmm. It's a big one to swallow. It really, I mean, it's easy for us to read. Right. You know, it's, it's amazing for us to read that passage and go, wow, that was really kind. Wow, that's great. Well, I should do something like that. And then we pick up our bag and carry on like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. But that heart, to to, to actually take that passage to heart and meditate on what it means to serve that Christ isn't just doing something like washing his disciples' feet because he's wanting to be nice, but he's showing them an example of what they should be, even though they consider themselves, essentially no master is above doing this. And I think so many times we puff ourselves up in Christian circles. Right. I mean, even think of what, how Paul summarized Jesus' life in Philippians chapter two, verse seven but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The death on the, I mean, what, what, there's really just no better way to to express servitude. And, when you look at that, what Christ did on the cross, in light of, let's break it down to something simple as wanting to serve in a mercy ministry. Like, um, there's ministries around here that do the cutting cutting wood for uh, elderly people that can't support and sustain themselves, or canned food drives, or 
simple things like that to express love and you walk by continually not partaking in that saying that's a good idea that's a good idea we should do that that's a good idea but christ is the perfect example for all of us not some of us all of us and no matter where we're at and what context we should reflect on where we are serving and showing that type of dedication that complete humiliation be, being open to the humiliation it's crazy how often we seem to miss like the idea of how much serving is a part of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times we think of salvation. We think of fiery pastors up on pulpits. We think mm-hmm. of big, huge calls down to the altar. And I mean, even times where we have potlucks, I mean, we get service during those and you have teachers, you have evangelists, you have people in the sound room. I mean, there's all these wonderful roles in churches that set up for service in a church, right? Mm -hmm. But does every member take an active part Mm -hmm. of those roles? I mean, if you're a member of a church, are you actively just sitting there each and every week? I mean, granted, you might be doing a lot during the rest of the week, right? I mean, I'll give some people the benefit of a doubt on that. I mean, it's not an impossibility. But like when you become a member of a church, like this is you actively like, joining a family. This is Mm -hmm. you saying, I'm going to help each and every person in here Mm -hmm. grow in their faith. Yeah. I'm going to be there to help to serve them by praying for them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help to serve them by studying the word with them. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to serve them by helping to point out sin in their life. What? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to help them by being humble myself. And when they point out sin in my life, mm-hmm. I'm going to help let them encourage me. I'm going to let them guide me out of my sin. But now, Logan, it's much easier for me to tell you that you're sinning than for you to tell me that I'm sinning. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> but. I mean, it is a lot easier for us it to is. pick out the faults in other people. It's easy to to try to pull the speck out of someone else's eye mm-hmm. because we don't want to see the log in ours. Right. But when we become members of a church, we're not just becoming some booster club. Mm-hmm. We're not fans who are going to a football game or a baseball game every week and putting our $50 or whatever it is and offering 10% mm-hmm. for a ticket to just watch the band play a few songs. We're not putting that in there to watch the pastor preach for an hour. Give me and, a good message that I, that I want to hear. Right. Or one that I'm going to critique them on later. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we're not just going there to do this to look like we're doing something every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, the church is built up for where Christians serve one another in it. Yeah. And that's what, <clears throat> I mean, you paraphrase Luke 14 pretty well. I mean, that's what it says almost. But one of the striking things he says is, uh, to summarize it all, is if you don't come to me to die, if you don't come after me, don't come. Right. And then he turns around and says, comparing it to a king, you know, what what king sets off to go to war and then does not first count, you know, if he has enough troops to overtake the army, essentially. And then he says, what builder who does not sit down and calculate the cost and is to build? And when we profess to be Christians following Christ as our example, the cost is we are under his yoke, which it is a light yoke, but it's still flowing through us to serve. Right. And we should really sit there and and count that cost in our pews, if you're sitting there on a Sunday or wherever you're at, what, how are we making our investments in the body of Christ, in our community, in our nation, in our world, whatever? Where is our investment? Where are we serving? Where are we serving God at? And I mean, what is it? What, what if I approach it this way? What, what would it? What is some acceptable services? What if I said, you know, I'm just a, a cashier. And I just sit at the cashier's desk, and that's how I serve God. Would that be acceptable? Yes and no. Go ahead, elaborate. Way to pick on me, but... I know, sorry. (laughs) It just came to my head as I was... Yeah, no, just... I mean, yes, you can go obediently every day to work, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and you do the best job that you can possible. Mm. But... I mean, you come to that situation where we talked in the last episode of where the boss is like, finally learns that this guy's a Christian. And it's like, oh, man, that's awesome. I've been trying to live such a godly life in front of you for like so long now. Yeah. And then the new Christian's like, are you kidding me? You didn't tell me about this sooner? The only reason I haven't been a Christian before now is because I thought uh, your life was so good without Christ that I could live it too. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to those situations of where just serving in obedience and doing a job the way it should be isn't enough. Mm-hmm. But, like, yes, you need to be obedient to God and where he's called you to be in the places and where your job's put. But we have to learn how to mix the two together. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons I say this is because we're motivated by obedience. And this is going to sound weird coming from Christians because, I mean, the ultimate thing is we're doing this by grace, so we can't do anything through works at all, right? But in Deuteronomy 13.4, Moses wrote, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Now, some people will point, that's the Old Testament. Why do we have to listen to that? I mean, We've didn't... unhitched from that, right? Right. 
That was a pun. Don't we have not unhitched from the Old Testament. It's one point listening. Andy Stanley got it wrong. I think that's uh, who did that. Said that. You should uh Is you should circle back around and listen to some more Andy Stanley and see what else. Not to get on a rabbit trail, but No. I mean, I haven't listened to he's that much, a, but I've heard he's a big proponent of that one. Oh, I think. he is. No, but he's he's got a little bit more wrong than that right now. Mm. Yeah, no, but I haven't caught, kept up with that. Yeah. But to fear God and to keep his commandments and obey his voice. Okay, so how do I do that as a Christian if I don't have, like, if I try to follow the commandments completely by myself, I can't make it there. Like, why does obedience matter when grace has set me free? (laughs) (laughs) Shall we sin so grace may abound more? That's what I always think. That's what I think about every time someone says that. Because obedience, if you love someone, I mean, as simple as a love, you know, that's, that's something that breaks it down for me. If you love someone, you will obey them. If you say that you love your wife or your husband, uh, let's use your wife, for example. If you love your wife and yet you beat her and you say, no, but I love you, that's not loving. You don't care about her. You don't care about her well-being. If you're a wife and you say, I love my husband and yet you poison him, that's not love. (laughs) I don't care what love story you're reading. That's not love. I was just thinking of the song, but Earl had to die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, nice. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody was put a post on Facebook. And he's like, talk about country and music this day. But back in my day, like, they were talking about how Earl had to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But obedience is a outflowing of love. Vody Bakum says, oh, if I can quote him correctly, love Essentially, love is an action um, that is given by someone. So you you love something, you have an item, you love it, and that that love of that item requires action. Love, that's what it is. Love is an action. Obedience is the result of love. Love, obedience is that action. We love God. Therefore, we obey his commandments. Why? Because we love him. Mm-hmm. You can't say that you love God and have idols under your bed because you don't love God. You love the idols just as much as you love God. <laughs> right. I mean, Donald Whitney points out John Newton and how he illustrated it. He said, if two angels were to receive at the same moment a commission from God, one to go down and rule the earth's grandest empire, the other to go and sweep the streets of its meanest village. It would be a matter of entire indifference to each which service fell to his lot. The post of ruler or the post of scavenger. For the joy of angels lies only in obedience to God's will. I mean, how incredible is that? Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm still human, and I get that it's a hard example of when you go and think, at what points could I go serve in a church? Like, if I got, 
chosen to be the person who, okay, you have to do the garbage. You have to mm. clean the toilets all the time. You have to clean up the kids puke and Oof. do all the kids dirty diapers and nursery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even let's put it on a different spin. Okay. Every person who has a complaint in the church, mm. every person who, you know, causes an issue in that church. Mm-hmm. And we all have those people and have had those people in our lives. Mm-hmm. You have to go and love on them. Mm-hmm. You have to go and serve them. Or yeah. the bratty kids, you have to go and teach their class. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple spins that we can put on this. So you could go for the nastiest jobs mm-hmm. or even dealing with the toughest people. Yeah. And we get to the point of where we don't want to deal with those because of our selfish desires. Doesn't say, dare I say pride? Yeah. I mean, there's pride, there's laziness, there's. Mm-hmm fear there's i mean granted there is some emotional health boundaries that we think about in those situations Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a lot of time that i've heard and seen people say that you know i won't do i'm not going to do something because and then not necessarily come out and say this way but i'm not going to do something because um that's not just that's not me that's not what i'm doing but the door is open that's that's not me i can't serve there um, I can't lead a Bible study because I just don't like talking to people. Well, I can't, uh, you know, I can't be the, the treasurer in our church because I just can't have that responsibility. And, you know, some things might be true, but a lot of times we make, we want the glorifying jobs. We want the out front jobs. We want the pretty jobs. We want the ones that are the shock and wow and, instant gratification but if we look for that type of job you'll never get it because it doesn't exist i mean I, I can speak from my personal experience how many times have you most of your serving logan has it been instant gratification mm, not most of the time a lot of times it's a grind yeah and it's rough it's not not easy at all it's not always <clears throat> it's not always pretty but you do it out of obedience because you love god and you love his people and so our failures our excuses really don't matter mm-hmm. you know if god's called you if god's opened the door for you to serve and we don't step through the door to serve in that location or in that prerogative, then uh, I think, dare I say, we might we might just be sinning sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely plenty of clear times where God has opened a door, and you you can you just know that you're supposed to walk through it. Yeah, and you turn away because. There's fear, there's pride, there's faithlessness. Mm. 
I mean, there's multiple reasons why we don't walk through that door, but mm-hmm. serving is something that doesn't always come easy. I mean, mm-hmm. Donald Whitney hits it on the head. Pride and laziness get two big barriers in this situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at churches. I mean, not even not just ours, but and the other ones. And I and I pick on this just because, I mean, it's an easy one that I've seen problems with. with. Looking for nursery help. Mm-hmm. And I yep. mean, I'm the worst at this. I <laughs> like <laughs> when my daughter and her cousins get along. I I can lose my patience pretty quickly. Yeah, not as much as I mean. I'm still a pretty good kid person, but not as much as I used to be. <laughs> has the has having a child and being a father for a long time kind of wore down some patience? Yeah, I need to build it back <laughs> up. It does, you don't have time to rebuild that tank. Yeah. But, I mean, there's all these wonderful things that, I mean, the first one's obedience, of course, but what about serving him out of gratitude? Mm-hmm. To me, that parallels, well, it doesn't parallel, how do, how do I want to say this? It, it, for me, that that connects really close to humility. I'm so grateful and yet humbled by what he's done for us, for me, that any possible example to serve seems wonderful. I like the way Donald Whitney put it. He said, God has never done anything greater for anyone, nor could he do anything greater for you than what he has done in bringing you to himself. Suppose he put $10 million into your bank account every morning for the rest of your life, but he didn't save you. Suppose he gave you the most beautiful body and face of anyone who ever lived, a body that never aged for a thousand years, but then at death shut you out of heaven and sent you into hell for eternity. What has God ever given anyone that could compare with the salvation he has given to you as a believer? Do you see that God can never do anything for you or give anything greater to you than the gift of himself? Mm-hmm. If we cannot be grateful servants of him who is everything and in him and in whom we have everything, what will make us grateful? Mm-hmm. It goes similar to being content. If you're not content in Christ, if you're not grateful for just Christ, just him, nothing else, not the fancy titles, the 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 big hot shot positions, just thankful for what he's done for you. And that flows out of, that flows out to his people. Thinking of, think of so many examples throughout scripture of people that serve that you don't really know that much about or people that serve in little ways that actually were magnificent looking at and you know, it's pretty big but still probably didn't seem that big as Priscilla and Aquila mm-hmm. they just simply pulled Apollo aside and talked to him and yet what an impact that had All right 
I mean, you see the impact of that when you read Corinthians. Yeah. What about, you know, we see the bold statements from Paul, but what about Timothy? You don't hear much about Timothy. As far as, like, there's no writings of Timothy. Yeah, there's no epistles of... Of Timothy. There's epistles to Timothy. Mm-hmm. Correcting him, not you know, correcting him, yes, and giving him encouragement and so on and so forth. But he was a faithful pastor, simple, not flashy. I'm trying to think of other examples of people have served. Uh, Titus. <laughs> Titus. Paul wrote similar things to Titus that he wrote to Timothy. Mm-hmm. I mean, putting him in charge of creating elders and choosing elders inside a church. We all work and knit together to be the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, that means we're a finger and not the torso. But it's still important. And what more to be, what more should bring gratitude? We shouldn't, what, while our work that we do and the serving we do can be, can bring us gratification maybe is that i mean that's what i'm trying to say we can find gratitude in what we're doing gratification gratification in what we're doing the true our true gratitude it should work out of a gratitude of christ and what he's done for us we shouldn't be seeking fulfillment in that ministry right and it kind of give us a fake like pursuit of happiness out of it yeah now granted we should be glad when we serve God. Mm-hmm. I mean, inspired by the command of Psalm 102 or 100 verse two is serve the Lord with gladness. You think of Nehemiah and when he heard the news about Jerusalem and that was still in ruins, despite the return of many Jews. I mean, why is King Artaxerxes? He's asking, why is your face sad seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. I mean, if he could have been that sad in the presence of the king, he could have been killed. Yeah. Especially when the cupbearer, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. we think that's a whatever position, but it's pretty important because if you messed up your job, the king could die. So. Absolutely. I mean, it really kind of starts to point the way of, obligation, gratitude, and gladness. Mm -hmm. Now, if I really had to change it, I mean, obedience is important, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what scripture commands. But if you're going to only serve through obedience, you're not going to last long. No. You're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I have to. Doing this because no one else is doing it, so I have to do it. And it's going to even probably sound like a rehash of what we've already said earlier but in all reality like the serving has to come and the obedience has to come out of love and gratitude Mm -hmm. or it's not going to be an effective service at all no you can't teach children i learned this pretty early on you can't teach children out of obedience just expect to walk in that room and have, like we talked about, patience. <laughs> you know, you walk into a bunch of third and fourth graders 
You better be prayed up. <laughs> you better be prayed up. You better know your stuff. <laughs> Just thinking of past classes with third and fourth graders. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yep. Yep. You got to be prepared. But you have to, if you do it out of obedience and your heart's not in it, there's no gratitude in it. Right. It's not just a danger to yourself. Right. It's also a danger to others. Yeah. Because that's the example you're setting for them in Mm -hmm. your position. Look at this unhappy, hateful leader Mm -hmm. or teacher or whatever you are. Um, the, The hateful janitor. The hateful treasurer, the hateful clerk, the hateful, I mean, you name it, whatever. It doesn't set well. It doesn't set a good example for the next generation for anybody. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't. And it really shows where our motivations lie. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about obedience. We talked about forgiveness. Or no, we haven't talked about forgiveness. That's the next one. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) I mean, we talked about... Oh, my goodness. Talked about being glad about serving, having gratitude, and obedience. But what about this other one? I mean, motivated by forgiveness. I mean, I feel like this one flows back into the gratitude. Yeah. But think about it. Donald Whitney points out from Isaiah's famous vision. One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Well, at first you got to say is ow. Yeah. But I mean... It kind of stinks that he takes the part up before this. I mean, I understand he's got to keep his book short. Yeah. But like Isaiah before this has seen God and automatically cries, yeah. woe is me yeah. for I am a man yeah. of unclean yeah. lips. Yeah. From an unclean people. Yeah. He realizes that and he... Just on sight. And in and, and that plea, that plea is almost... I mean, it's an acknowledgement of his sin, his people's sin. It's a plea for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, I am nothing compared to you. Lord, I deserve to be blotted out in your presence. And yet he forgives him. And from that forgiveness, he, what, I, th- I always think of like a frantic little kid, like, pick me, me. And he's the only one in the room, just like, <laughs> you know, waving his hand. Right. But. Okay, we can choose you again. <laughs> Anybody else? It's like Shrek. Anybody else know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. I haven't watched that movie in a while. Yeah, we watched it a few weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, C.H. Burgeon kind of clarifies. The hair of heaven. The, the hair? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the hair of heaven. <laughs> The heir of heaven serves his Lord simply out of gratitude. He has no salvation to gain, no heaven to lose. Now, out of love to the God who chose him and who gave so great a price for his redemption, he desires to lay out himself entirely to his master's service. I mean, it's going back to both 
All three of them already. Mm-hmm. Gladness, gratitude, and obedience. And he summarizes there, the people of God do not serve him in order to be forgiven, but because we are forgiven. When believers serve serve only because they feel guilt if they don't do it, as though they were to serve with a ball and a chain dragging from their ankles. There's no love in that kind of service, only labor. There's no joy, only obligation and drudgery. The Christians aren't prisoners who should serve in God's kingdom grudgingly because of guilt. Yep. Child of God works not for life, but from life. He does not work to be saved. He works because he is saved. Mm-hmm. That's just such a great thing to remember. We're which, not working to live anymore. Which I was told, like, I can't remember who said it. I gave him credit many years ago. They said it's like you're on your deathbed, right? And you're getting ready to die, and, and, and death is at the door. And you have some disease that doctors never seen before. And the doctor walks in, he gives you the medicine, the vaccine, and boom, you're cured, you come back to life. How grateful are you to that doctor? Would you not drop to your knees and thank, thank him for what he's done for you? Now, if we would do that, we would think that our doctor, would we not also, in the same instance, be willing to serve him in any way we could? What do you need, you know, almost an instinct, you know, thank you so much, I, I'm indebted to you forever. We see it in the movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Why is it, we see it in that secular sense, and then when we come to a more eternal sense with God, who has literally brought us to spiritual life, brought us from the grave, not dying, but dead, buried six feet under, rotten, brought us back to spiritual or to physical life, spiritual life, and and bought us with the precious blood of his son, all through his workings, how much more should we be ecstatic because of the forgiveness that he's shown us? They didn't have to show us, but he showed us how much uplifting, how much I know we, 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 like you said, we talked about gratitude, but but gratitude. Uh, how much, how much should that express just seep from us? Right. I mean, it, it should be on our tongues all the day because that is the greatest. There is no greater thing in our life than that moment that God regenerated our souls. Nothing else. There's there's nothing else in history that will ever compare to that moment where he took a lump of coal and made it something beautiful. Where he transitioned you from darkness to light mm-hmm. to his beloved kingdom. And we, we we should rejoice. We should love that. We should we should abound in that forever. And since we're here. We should realize where we've came from, and because of the forgiveness that we've received, that should outflow from us. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I was making sure it wasn't just like talking in circles there, but it should, it should flow from us. Uh, because we are forgiven, yes, we forgive, but that forgiveness should be that weight, the blanket, just lifted off of our shoulders that causes us to go the extra 25 miles. Yeah. Sorry, I was... It's just kind of going through and 
time of trying to apply it to my own life. I mean, mm. right now, the stuff I do at church, I, I serve in the sound booth. I serve teaching on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in the just me. Like, how do I feel in doing this? How mm. do I look in serving these people? I mean, what end goal am I trying to get through them? But it really gets to the point of where you start to look at your motivations through these things. Mm-hmm. And you get to look towards, I mean, I know I've been called to, to be obedient, mm-hmm. but gratitude, I mean, what has God done in my life? Mm-hmm. But what has God done in these other people's lives? It's mm-hmm. a good point. I mean, how wonderful it is that I get to teach in a place where God has just as wonderfully, if not more so, mm. worked in every single person in this room's life yeah. or is about to work in those people's lives if they're mm. not Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about with gladness. I mean, there are definitely days where it's rough mm. and coming from, when you sit there on a Wednesday and you have five people show up, it's really hard to be grateful. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, what if the past couple of weeks in church, like, the pastor who's been on the line and is going through a church drama mm-hmm. where it could cause a split? Or, like, it's pastor versus deacon. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a situation where I've heard a, pastor was given a letter that said it was a Christmas bonus. But there was nothing in there. (laughs) And then didn't realize that there was problems in between him and his church. Mm. Yeah, that'd be a bad way to... Yeah, I mean, in reality, like, there's so many different situations of where, like, it's hard to see the gratitude in those moments. It's hard to see the love in those moments. But it really points us back towards humility. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus was the perfect servant. Mm-hmm. We talk about that moment where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he washed the foot of Judas at the same time. The one knowing, who him. Yeah. knowing full well of what was going to happen. Probably even knowing full well that this was a man who is taking out of the treasury for his, oh, yeah. to line his own pockets yeah. and yet still made him the treasurer and didn't say anything when they gave the money to him. Yeah. That, I mean, is, that is amazing when you think of the amount of humility expressed. Right. I mean, even Judas at some point in time knew that he had done wrong. Yeah. It hit him pretty hard, I would say. Now he didn't go through the right steps of what happened afterwards. No. But his sin hit him like a sack of potatoes <laughs> and dropped him like one. Go ahead and dropped him like a 20-pound sack of potatoes. But, I mean... At the end, like, 
doing all these things in church, like how often do we really let ourselves love the people in our congregation? I mean, we can really say that we love people, but it's what's really easy to say. I love you when you're six pews away from me. Yeah, no, I love, I love, they're good people. They're good people. Are they? Right. I'd love to ask, you know, are, are, are they good people? What do you know about them? Well, they sit, they sit in that pew over there every, right. every Sunday. That's not, that's not love. Right. I mean, like, are you actively trying to help reach down into the life and mm-hmm. help pick them back up yeah. if they've fallen? Are, are you constantly praying for them? Are mm-hmm. you constantly praying for your pastor? Yeah. Pastor, are you constantly praying for your congregation? I mean, there's so many examples of how we need to love in our churches mm-hmm. through service. Mm-hmm. that are solely missed. And when you walk into a church, you can see when that idea of love and service is missing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul writes in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I mean, First Peter 4.8, Four eight is another one that kind of comes to mind. I'm gonna have to look it up real quick. But I like the the way he while you're looking that up, he he summarizes it. For Christ's love controls us or constrains people, and the result is that they no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and ra- and was raised again. Right, First Peter four eight through. It's going to go through 11, it looks like. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Mm. Do you mean by me loving my the, the guy that sits in the back pew but by, by loving him that I'm showing like I'm I'm showing Christ in that 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 I'm I'm showing the glory of Christ in that action? Yep. What if I just go shake his hand? Is that good enough? Good, good it luck. might be a start. <laughs> it's a good start. It, it's a start. It all circles back. It, maybe, maybe it's just me, but it's discipleship. And the di- many different forms. There's not just one form of discipleship. But the many different forms of it to say that uh, discipleship hurts and you should open yourself up to people. And you can't expect to love somebody if you keep them 10 feet away from you at all times. Right. We have to be willing to open our lives up to people, to them to open their lives up to us, because that is where love is found, is in not controlled 
distance, you know, I'm going to love you from two pews away from me and shake your hand, but actually sharing life, actually caring about them, show them that you care about who they are as a person. Not that they just show up to church, not that it's just as important they fill the pew, but as a person, they are important. Right. Because like you said, what God has done for them, if not more so than you, for you, you should that should drive you to love them and express that love even more. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. I was a server for a long time. Like, you can generally tell, like, straight off the back, when you sit down at a table and that server comes up and greets you, <laughs> what kind of server you're going to get? <laughs> Eight times out of ten. What do you want? You can tell when they have a smile on their face, like genuinely are caring about what you want to order. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the one who is just doing it because they have to be there. It's a job Mm -hmm. and they're not as attentive. They, I mean, it, it really is all there from the beginning of your body languages and what your motivations are behind it. Mm -hmm. But we talked about some motivate motivations. And we kind of understand that there's an obligation. But are we called to serve without having any gifts to do it? No. God has granted us the gifts. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe if he hasn't made it aware of you, maybe aware of you, if he hasn't made you, made, aware, made of you aware of it, maybe he'll make you aware of it. While you're serving. Right. I mean, we already read in First Peter 4.10 that each Christian receives a special gift. A gift intended for use in service. Mm-hmm. So, Christians, you have a gift that is intended for service. You're not just a fan sitting in a pew. <sighs> but I got a really firm handshake. Okay. You have to go and shake every person's <laughs> hand in church. <laughs> And Every. greet them and get to know them. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there's controversy around spiritual gifts, but, I mean, read through passages such as Romans 12, 4 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 5 through 11, and verses 27 through 31, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 13, I mean, and 1 Peter again. Regardless of where those go and where you hold to them, God has given us those gifts for the purpose that we are to serve with them. So he he gives us the gifts and then he expects us to use the gifts. Mm -hmm. I like that he picked a J.I. Packer quote, the most significant gifts in the church's life in every area. Ordinary natural abilities sanctified. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Uh, I like what he says here. I think this is so true. I've heard time and time again. Well, God hasn't given me that gift to do that. But he says this, John, what he does. If this is among the first time you have heard about spiritual gifts, then you probably have no idea what your spiritual gift is. Relax. 
many Christians serve God faithfully and fruitfully for a lifetime without ascertaining their specific gift. I am not suggesting you shouldn't try to identify your gift. I am saying that you aren't relegated to a benchwarmer status in the kingdom of God until you name your gift. Mm-hmm. It's not like you need to navel gaze and be like, well, I can't shoot webs from my hand, so I guess I can't be Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good illustration. Nah. <laughs> Just had to include something in there. But but we almost expect that, though, don't we? Right. I'm not a good orator. I can't speak. So I guess I just can't give the announcements. Right. We don't have as many followers as doctrine or devotion. No. Or Apologia Radio or James White. So we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, exactly. Which was our thoughts when we first started. (laughs) You know, the thought crossed our mind. And you guys might be listening to this going, you're right. (laughs) Shouldn't be doing (laughs) this. You shouldn't be doing this. And you might be right. I mean, give, I mean, I'll give a point. There's probably a, a kernel of glimmer <laughs> in every episode, maybe. At least in 20 episodes that we have done this now. At least hopefully there's two minutes of good thing that you can take in. <laughs> and say, thank you. I really needed this today. <laughs> or think, wow, uh, I don't want to be anything like those guys. Right. But it's something that, in using your spiritual gifts, it's something that you're going to have to put yourself out there mm-hmm. and actually try. Like, yeah, okay, mm, let's let you try to teach a class for a week or two. That's where I was, my mind was going. <laughs> when I, I know how I felt when I first taught a class. How did you feel when you first taught a class? Yeah, no, I wasn't ready for it. I mean, first time... Actually preaching a sermon. Oh, my goodness. Wasn't ready for <laughs> There's always the typical, like, yeah, I got, like, 30 minutes of stuff written down, and I just went through <laughs> it in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I d- I'll say that <coughs> I was pretty good about time on my first sermon, but I think I sweat through my shirt, like, twice over. I mean, it was, like, palms. I was like, oh, man, it was... Mm-hmm had an anxiety attack before I went up there twice. I mean, think about it. I don't, I can't teach a class. Well, you're not going to know unless you try mm-hmm. or I can't use sound system or do sound. I can't do offering. I can't go and help in any form, way, shape or fashion. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know until you give yourself time to learn or yeah. time to try it out and see. I mean, you can't sit on your hands and expect, you know, going with my superhero theme, the, you know, nuclear goo to fall on you and be like, oh, great. Now I have superpowers and I can do these things. You just do it. (laughs) Just thinking of Shrek (laughs) 2. Cute button nose. You can't just expect a magic potion to turn you into a stallion, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Hear that? She called me a steed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something that you actually have to look towards and mm-hmm. work. I mean, and it's not. Well, uh, maybe we talked about it last time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Things blend together. 
but it, we seem to be in this type of mindset that if we first don't succeed, it was not meant for us to do it. Or if we don't come out and be the star, rock star, rock star. I'm not, if I don't come out and be the greatest Bible teacher since, you know, I don't, I wasn't say C.H. Spurgeon, but it's more of a preacher, you know, like, you know, not gonna be the next John Piper. Yeah, be the John Piper. I mean, John Piper. If I don't, if I'm not the greatest orator that this world's ever seen, if I'm not, you know, serving. Yeah. Anyway, if you're not the best on whatever you do, then I guess I'm just not meant to do it. I just, I just can't do it. Right. In reality, your job isn't to be the best in the world at what you do. Your job is to serve faithfully with what God has given you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe you're not the greatest Bible teacher the world has ever seen because you're not, and nor should you aspire to be that. But what you should be is concerned with the souls that are in front of you and teaching and growing them in sanctification. Right. I mean, you're doing it not so that you can be the best, but you're getting better at it for them. Yes. You're getting better so that you can communicate what the gospel is or what theology is or mm. who God is to those people. Yeah. I mean, in church, you're not just there to worship for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're there to worship and love the congregation around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're there to help them grow just as much as you are. Yeah. Husbands and wives. Mm-hmm. You're in that relationship, not just so that you can have a fun time mm-hmm. once a week. Or, yeah. well, we get to that consumer mindset again, right? It's me, 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 me. Get what do I get out of it? What do I get out of this? What do I get out of this? What do I get out of this? What am I getting? What's, what's my return on this? And that's not what Christ promised us. No, in fact, He kind of promised us the opposite. That. Yeah, sometimes it's going to really suck. Yeah, and it's going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, there'll be times where you're put in a situation where you got to serve a hard week at work mm-hmm. and then still put in time of service at your church. Yeah. And it's not an easy time. I mean, talked about it earlier. I mean, think about those moments where all the drama in the world has fallen on a church at... Mm-hmm. Your time and you're still trying to faithfully serve through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that I look towards the most are bivocational pastors. I don't understand how how they do it. I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, two full time jobs. I mean, it's almost as for instance, and these were two secular jobs. But my stepdad growing up worked eighty hours a week, hmm. working overnights at a schnooks warehouse and then selling guns at bass pro the next morning Mm -hmm. or next afternoon pulling eight hour shifts both times Mm -hmm. he was tired throughout the week but he's still alive today he pulled through yeah but i mean churches can be like that Mm -hmm. bivocational pastors have both that 
full-time pastors getting work the same amount of hours of mm-hmm. 60 to 90 a week and pe- 60 to 80 a week and people not even knowing it, not even realizing it Mm-mm. and not loving their pastors through it. Yeah. I've seen a lot where people, not to get on a rabbit trail, but people think the worst before expecting the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely multiple opportunities of situations in our church. We get off on rabbit trails here and there, but I mean, really today, the call of the church is discipline serving. Yeah. That our goal is still to become more like Jesus. As Donald Whitney puts it well. Yeah. Spiritual gifts inclined towards ministries conducted out of the spotlight and which often go unappreciated by the masses. Mm. And yet, like Jesus, no matter how much public recognition we gain in ministry, God calls us to times of service in the shadows as well. Mm. Amen. Regardless of your gifts or talents, determine to employ them for Christ and his kingdom. I uh, had a, a transparent moment here. Uh, I think it was last it was last semester, I believe. Uh, I did a class, pastoral ministry. That's what it was, and I had to interview two pastors, and I interviewed one, and he gave me this advice, and it was, wow, it's just it's amazing. He said the goal, you the goal you should have in life, is to love your people, and die in obscurity. And I was like, oh. You know, it's not what you expect. He says, he's like, you're, you should not expect to be anything more than a pastor who loves his people. And eventually you will fade off in the sunset and people won't know your name. <coughs> but the impact that you have and the lives that you touched, that's what matters. Yeah. And I was like, huh. We think all the time, again, of just the big stuff, but the whole it's not about us it's about everything else not in the limelight you know in the shadows working doing the hard work you won't get gratification from everyone else you get gratification because of what he's done for you it flows from that it is you should not sustain from the ministry i know this is we've already said it but just that brought that direct that back to my mind and, and thinking of how important it is. The work that is not seen is man, really more important than what you see in the spotlight. Yeah. There's so much more behind the scenes that is just such, such an important service role that wouldn't, uh, that makes the spotlight possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even as explained by Paul in Colossians one twenty nine, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Not even his energy. For this, I toil, struggling with all energy that God works inside of him. Mm. I mean, the Greek word in this struggling comes to our word agonize. Mm. 
to agonize over it. it sounds painful. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, there's times where it's going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. But it's something we work through because through that m- miserable times, mm-hmm. God has a perfect and not a perfect thing, but a glorious ending out there. Mm. Well, perfect it's because it's perfect. It's, yeah. It's a perfect ending, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. But kind of like how he puts the reminder in here, service that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Mm-hmm. Just parodies. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Grace that costs nothing means nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, to say that you've been bought by the... Say it. We used this analogy, I think, um, maybe 20 episodes ago. <laughs> the Paul Washer. What analogy of, of coming in, you know, if I came in and said, sorry, I'm late, I got hit by a truck. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think, I don't know, we did it way back. Ago. You know, I got hit by a truck, you know, you would look at me and say, no way. You're either lying or you're a lunatic. <laughs> and I'm, you know, either one's not good. Why? Because there's no way that you can encounter something so big and powerful and remain intact. And we as human beings have encountered, well, we as believers in Christ, uh, born again, we have encountered God himself. And that should reflect in our life. That should reflect in our servitude. Right. I mean, it should reflect God, Christ served us. We should serve him. That Mm -hmm. should flow out. And if it's not flowing out of you, where's it getting dammed up? Mm. Why is it getting dammed up? Service is one that seems like we keep hitting the same yeah. bells over and it over is, again. Yeah. Going through different situations. But that's only because it's really intrinsic to the Christian life. And we've been going at this for an hour now, and it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, hour flies. <laughs> so we probably better cut cut this short here soon but, and try to wrap some things up. Absolutely. But, you know, to, you should serve, you know, you should serve willingly. You should serve lovingly. You should serve out of love for God and for his people um, and not for yourself. Right. I mean, it really gets to the whole point of listening to this episode. Like, it's not that, yes, we want you to go serve, but we want to put it, you in a different perspective mm-hmm. of how you view everyone around you if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not a Christian, I mean, this is good advice either way. Mm-hmm. It is. Like, how do you view the other people around you? Mm-hmm. Are you actually going to love them and modify an example modify model an example okay. for them to follow hmm. now granted you're doing this in an expectation that they won't necessarily do it back to you mm. yeah but if they're a christian you can definitely harp on them about it for a time <laughs> yeah. or two it's part of the loving encouragement yeah. 
but and, harp's not exactly the right word, but I mean, you're helping them to grow and see like, mm-hmm. look at this. This is how we're supposed to live. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm doing this for you. Mm-hmm. And I want you to do this for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Think about how much that changes. I mean, just you're talking about a, re- a relational aspect. When you when you view, when you look at everyone else as people who Christ has poured His light for, how much how much value is in that life and in that person? You know, should we think the the worst of somebody? Should we should we degrade somebody? Should we um, neglect them in any way, or should we self sacrificially dedicate everything to them in every possible way that we can? Especially, I think what plagues a lot of churches nowadays is, well, let's be honest, backbiting and things like that. And I think it even goes to something like that. Where you pe- mean backsliding? Well, no, backbiting, where people talk behind someone's back, expecting the worst of somebody. Oh, you're talking about gossiping. I've talking never heard gossiping. anybody. I've never heard anybody call it backbiting. Oh, I call it backbiting. Okay, when, when you when you <laughs> gossiping, but something as simple as that. All right, think about how this. Understanding this, the servitude aspect, changes that relationship. Would you gossip about somebody whom Christ died for, atoned for, someone you're commanded to love, and not love, like I said, away from you, but embraced? Imagine every person, imagine that that person whom you're gossiping to is someone that Christ has bought and you will face them in heaven. And they will answer for every word that you said behind their back. Right. How much more does that change what you say behind their back? How much does that change the fact that you should love them more because of what Christ did for them? You know, it, this minute thing that maybe we've harped on a lot and circled back around, I think it addresses a lot of the issues that we see continually throughout the church. I mean, not just issues in serving, but issues in part of the reason why some churches don't grow, why churches become stagnant. Mm -hmm. It's not just the evangelistic serving. Right. That is important. You know, don't get me wrong, but it's not it. And it's not just because churches don't have a fiery preacher who makes thousands of people come up and commit to be members. Yeah. I mean, churches only grow as much as the whole church body wants to grow. Mm-hmm. And a good leader can start it, but even a good leader can't make it stay forever. No. No. There's, there's the sermon should be, the preacher, the sermon should be essential feeding, but fellowship and that serving is what sustains you. I mean, one sermon a week is not going to keep you fed. Like we talked about, you know, taking in grace, right? Right. And (laughs) who was it? Was it John Wesley that said, you know, no more can you suck in enough air for a whole day than can you take in enough grace for one week? Right. Or something like that. Something something along those lines. That's from when we first started this series. (laughs) It was. I'm just going back to the beginning on everything. But, you know that is that is a grace and and serving is a is a way is 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 an expression of grace right and we should not expect to just receive 
our Sunday sermon and that be able to sustain us throughout the entire week. And this is where serving comes in. Right. Serving each other. And enjoying the time with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to have to hurry up and get this podcast edited and get a turnaround on it soon. Yeah. Which, when we're recording this, I did really, or I will release the one that we did last time. So, <laughs> but these are some really key things to remember as you go to church on Sunday. I mean, we're doing yeah. this on a Friday night. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be something that's heavy on my mind going into not just how can I do this in my church service on Sunday, but how can I do this better at my job yeah. as a service advisor Yeah. on Monday? How can I love my customers going in? How can I better love my technicians and my other coworkers? I mean, you can't, you can't love all your technicians. I ha- there's, there's one at least. The one you're speaking of, I have to. <laughs> you're forced to. Not forced to. By I'm, marriage. I'm just kidding. Well, it was my choice. Yeah, Either way. It's true. Wow. Yes and no. But no, I'm, I love him anyways. I mean, we go to the same church. We work at the same place. It's, I spend a lot of time with him. And I'm glad. You know who you are. He's definitely a guy I look <laughs> I look up to quite a bit yeah. when it comes to how he, he follows his faith and goes through with it. I look up to everybody, but it's because I'm short. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> kidding. I just had to get that pun in there. You're not kidding. That was the sad yeah, I'm part. I'm <laughs> not kidding. I really do look up to most people. But service is a great thing, and I don't really want to try to continue to edit or not edit, but <laughs> just keep small talk to yeah. continue the episode going. But mm-hmm. I can't harp enough how important the service part is to a mm-hmm. church. And it all flows from reading your scripture. It all flows from praying. Mm-hmm. And it all flows from worshiping. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see how well this stacks up. Oh, and don't forget evangelism. And meditating. Meditating is like in the first two. Yeah, yeah. He included in both chapters. He didn't have a specific chapter for that, Colton. <laughs> well, it was important. It is important. At least the Puritans definitely thought so. They did. So, but you can really see how all of these flow together and build upon each other. Mm-hmm. This is really showing you a disciplined way for a complete Christian. Mm-hmm. It's not 10 easy steps and no. this is the way. This is pass along your journey that help guide your way, mm-hmm. but they don't guarantee it. The only one who can guarantee our faith is Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Anchored by Faith. You can find us on most major podcast sites or find us at anchoredbyfaith.podbean.com. So feel free to be on the lookout for new podcasts. And remember, the idea is to help both you and us to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Logan Batisti, and you can find us on Twitter, 
And my co-host name is Colton Wright. Which the Twitter tag is at ROM829, capital A-B-F. I want you guys to have a good night. And God bless. <laughs>